Peanuts Gallery is brought to you by Chase Sterling Morton, the father of Arbor Day. This is all your fault, Jay. Sterling. Morton. I hope you're proud of yourself. We're putting you on blast, Jay. Also, trees are stupid. Jerks. Stupid jerk trees. Stupid Jay. Morton. Sterling. Ugh, theme song. Once I have written a theme song, it will go here. This is Peanuts Gallery. I'm Molly Lewis. Oh. oh. And that's Josh A. Kagan. Oh, oh, oh. I, you know, Molly, this is, so here we are. We're, this is the third episode of uh, season three. And, uh, you know, just the other day I was thinking to myself, Josh, you're too tough on these. These are episodes made for children. Mm-hmm. By adults By trying adults? their best. Really? Probably in a hurry, on a thin budget. Yeah. Maybe we should be nicer. I mean, the most successful comic strip in the history of America, even in uh, 1976 when this came out, uh, a merchandising uh, machine with uh, many movies to its name. Uh, but sure, sure. Yeah. They were just, you know, just all huddled in a small, dark basement. With just a couple pens and some jazzy jazz in the background and like they were just they were just doing the best they can. Certainly they weren't like millionaires at this point who were who were fat with cartoon money. <laughs> ugh. Ugh. So the the episode we're doing today is ugh. what's the full title? This is Arbor Day, Charlie Brown. Um, perhaps it's Arbor Day, Charlie Brown. It's Arbor Day, Charlie Brown. Um, Josh, do you have a synopsis? If can you could you squeeze a synopsis out of this one? Because it is Arbor Day. They really did get right in front of it. Synopsis: Stupid children plant trees in a stupid baseball field, and then it rains. Also, a dog puts a bird in a copying machine. Synopsis: That is pretty much it. Yeah, we did. Um, we did actually drag a dear friend through have, this with us. We have a special special guest with us today. She is uh, one half uh, founder and co-owner and all sorts of thing doer uh, for Together Gay. How is that pronounced? Together. But it's T-W-O. It's spelled it's together. Or it's pronounced. So- <laughs> <laughs> the W is silent. Two of <laughs> games. Two games. Two games. <laughs> Ms. Jen Ellis hello. Baker. Hello. And she's very important. Her phone is blowing up as we speak. That sounded like a dramatic piano chord. <laughs> Jen Ellis Baker. Dun dun. That was she's, the after effects of watching that episode a couple times. That was. She's, yeah. She's bringing the justice. Uh, <laughs> You can find uh, Jen and her uh, husband partners, Keith's games uh, in fine stores and online games such as Action Cats, a show uh, which, when performed live, Molly's the host. I've adapted it to the stage, yes. You have. Uh, And uh, uh, Illimat, which was uh, designed for and with uh, the Decemberists, a popular popular folk rock combo out of the Pacific Northwest. And uh, Phoenix Dawn Command, which is a storytelling game that we've both played. It's true. We're not really pen and paper type. People, but it's really, it's really great. It is a super fun game, and Dramatic. and Jen will uh, tell us all about where we can get those at the end of the episode, and that will be the delicious creamy dessert at the end of this thin thin broth. I think it's, I think it's kind of telling that you have asked somebody who 
my business is formed on killing trees and paper. Right. Yes. Uh, to talk about the Arbor Day uh, episode with you. <laughs> so I think it works out great. <laughs> it really does. I think I think this entire episode was a waste of resources. <laughs> I think I think all of the ink and paper and cells that they used to make this episode uh, choked the life out of the environment. I would yeah. say. I'm going to go ahead and say that this half hour of television uh, is worse for the environment than cow farts. I I might agree with you. There is a, a little segment in the beginning where Linus's little brother uh, yeah. is in, in the back of a of on a, a bike, bike, right? And he says, "Yesterday we only hit four parked cars." That would have made a much better special. I would have watched. <laughs> Them hitting three parked cars yeah. and the aftermath of that for 20 minutes. And that would have been fine entertainment. That special uh, is coming. I've seen that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, rerun, basically. First of all, uh, some interesting points about this episode. This was rerun Van Pelt's television debut. Uh, and in ensuing specials, and especially the ones after uh, Schultz passed away, uh, rerun basically, and in the strip as well, kind of replaced Linus. Yes, uh, because I guess Linus went off to college or whatever. Like, we don't quite know what happened. He was wished into the cornfield or <laughs> right. some shit. Um, but, uh, yeah, Jen's right. We do open the episode with, uh, a, a thing that was a runner in the strip, uh, rerun, uh, being on the back seat of his mom's, uh, bicycle and fearing for his life. Yeah. Just generally kind of being the scrappy do of this universe. You yeah. know, he's kind of a smaller version of one of the main characters who just cracks wise and that's all he does and he's not integral to the plot really in any way. Sure. Let's, uh, let's not forget all of the fun to be had at the expense of women drivers though. <laughs> yuck, 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 yuck. <laughs> Uh, women can't even bikes. She can't bikes so good. <laughs> and like he he lists all the meetings that she's going to. And this is like the cold open. It really has very little to do with the meat of the episode, if you can even call it that. Today it's Welfare League and a church breakfast. And then it's the League of Women Voters, followed by a visit to the library. From here on, we go to the hairdresser and then to the supermarket. And then a rousing meeting of the PTA. And last but not least, the Arbor Day Committee meeting. It's like they sat in the writing room and went, what, what's some lady stuff? What does a woman's do? Well, what are ladies on a bike? And I, I kind of felt like what they were doing is saying, uh, sit down, folks. This is how we're going to piece together the next 25 minutes. Because you're, you're wondering how we're going to do a whole episode about trees. We're going to give you what it's going to be like. There's, yeah. there's going to be other things other than trees in here, but it's going to be yeah. really a little, yeah. a little sort of pre little aperitif <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh although in her in uh, reruns listing of things that they are doing uh he does say and it, for all the world it might as well be dubbed in like i'm doing this i'm doing this also arbor day like <laughs> league of women voters <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they really make sure just to be like and arbor day uh and then that's it and yeah. then we cut to the title card which is a dumb picture of a tree and it's arbor day charlie brown and we are off to the race. And that is really the first we hear of Arbor Day. Like, it should say it's Arbor Day, viewer. I guess. Take it, I guess. Um, are, are any of us here outdoor kids? Because I am not, and I have a, I have a mom who, uh, hates the outdoors and everything about yeah. it. I, I host a podcast about obscure peanuts animated specials, so I think I've answered your question. <laughs> 
Uh, literally, my my nickname growing up from my family was Pigpen because I was just covered in dirt from being outside digging in dirt. And, and really? Oh, so I I, I was out outside in dirt, uh, you know, for pretty much my whole childhood. Uh, so where'd you do your growing up, Jen? Uh, Long Island. Oh, yeah, Long Long Island. Long for Island. Home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and in a particularly uh, verdant part of Long Island? No, just you know, suburbs of just like. Being in the backyard under the trees, I would build, you know, little uh, uh, cave dwellings uh, from from dirt and take all of the utensils out of the um, <laughs> the kitchen uh, drawers in which to do it and create my masterpieces in dirt. So hmm. it was just being outside was kind of my so favorite. So fascinating. Yeah. You, unlike it sounds like Molly and I, you had like a childhood. You had like the Spielbergian suburban uh, kind of like... I'm going to go out and play all day. And yeah, then... absolutely. I would, I, I, I loved being outside. Uh, just didn't like cartoons. Uh, just, uh, would make, you know, pick berries and make secret potions and, and witchy stuff. Yeah, witchy stuff. Stevie Nicks. But as a child, but in child form. Just so, she just she just loves scars, scarves, and dirt and berries. She keeps on spinning outside. We don't know why. Oh, that's terrifying! You're like a child of the corn. Yeah, no, I mean even things like I would pretend that would I would I would lose my key and that I would be too cold, so I would have to build a fire for warmth in the backyard. Oh, like Jack London mm-hmm. cosplay, e- exactly. <laughs> seen this specimen of you know late 70s children's animation do you feel you missed out at all uh no i mean <laughs> i i never was interested in organized sports so mm-hmm. the whole segments about being on teams and really mm-hmm. interacting with other children was not my thing either mm-hmm. so um the whole episode i'm like these kids are really mean to each other they're just <laughs> they are just rude and uh and it's just like a play about bad interpersonal boundaries. Yes. And- oh, that's all of them. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the animated Peanuts universe. <laughs> the uh, the comic strip Peanuts universe, very subtle, yeah. very heartfelt, cynical, but with a heart. Very right. dry. Yeah. 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 Uh, the animated Peanuts universe. And I, I feel the need to sort of to throw this in. Uh, and just as a reminder... I think I speak for both Molly and myself, where the comic strip is one of our favorite things on the planet. Yeah. And it, I mean, my introduction to it was the television specials. Sure. Is, I, I found out, oh, I can get peanuts every day for free. Like, I didn't know yeah. that you paid for a newspaper. Um, but there are some of these. The, the animated specials are so kind of background radiation from my childhood that a lot of these, as we've been going through them for this podcast, I will go like, I don't know if I've seen Valentine, the Charlie Brown Valentine one. And then we get two minutes into it and I go, nope, I have. I've heard that song. I've heard that garbage song. So where were you on this one? I've never, uh, I, I remember rerun, but it kind of blends together yeah. at this point. You know, I'm, I'm kind of interested in how they, they pitch this because what I learned from the episode is that, uh, it's not a set, you know, Arbor Day is not a set day and if different states celebrated different times, according to, uh, Sally. You should call it Arbitrary Day. Exactly. And so how do you say, oh, it's Arbor Week. We're going to do this. Yeah. If, if, you know, Arizona's opting out. I don't know. I, don't I know. have to assume that they were out of holidays. Yeah. And they all were like, 
well, what, do we start doing Jewish stuff? No, <laughs> like, this is never going to be. I remember being a kid and asking my parents, like, when do they do, like, Passover and stuff? And they're oh. like, yeah, it's not. No. Is there any Jewish kids in the universe of, of Charlie Brown? It's hard to know, really. Yeah. No. So there's no one like who's that's vocalized that or that's oh no they never gone to a cedar no yeah. they never really hear it they they never it was a thing they never particularly played lip service not let's 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 be honest not the most diverse universe in the world sure. the Charlie Brown universe yeah and there's Franklin and that's that's what you got <laughs> and Charles Schultz had his sort of convictions that were sort of mirrored yes, in the universe yeah. as well yeah. um. Yeah, because the fr- – well, let's let's just try and get the plot out of the way so okay. we don't have to talk about it anymore. Because um, the whole framing device for the thing is Sally is writing a report about Arbor Day, which I think is just to fill – there must be, like, a grant they got or something because they had, like – it just kind of felt like a slideshow came on. And Arbor Day was founded by J. Sterling Morgan. And then they would go back to regular Peanuts bullshit. Um, but that kind of is the bow they put on the whole thing. Charlie Brown's trying not to suck at baseball anymore. And Lucy's trying to fuck up Charlie Brown's baseball field. That's basically it. Yeah. Uh, we start with uh, Sally in class. Uh, she doesn't want the teacher to call on her, so the teacher calls on her. What's Arbor Day? The teacher want what was. And uh, and <laughs> Sally, who I guess is in her spare time like a cockney boot black, mm-hmm. is like, Arbor Day, that's when the boats pull into the arbor. Oh, it's a jolly holiday with Mary. Like, just... <laughs> planting trees, planting trees. What is Arbor Day? Oh, that's simple. That's the day when all the ships come sailing into the arbor. Uh, so all of the class laughs at her, and she has to write a report on Arbor Day. And then, and then that's, that's it. Yeah. Turns into like, they go to the library, Snoop, there's all kinds of recycled shenanigans from Snoopy Come Home. Snoopy, Uh, you know, he's just a, he's a loud reader. uh, Lucy gaslights Charlie Brown a bunch while she plants plants on his field. Um, And they make like a Stardew Valley style paradise out of this baseball field. You you beat me to it. (laughs) Which like, no, as like a non-sports person, I was like, that's a great idea. Yeah. Why don't we do that to all the sports fields? That looks beautiful. Um... Yeah, and then they play some baseball on it, and... The plants, M. Night Shyamalan style, start to play for Charlie Brown's team. Uh, also, something's in the soil there, because those plants mature real quick. Oh, yeah. Two, oh, yeah. two weeks. Yeah. They had two weeks from uh, beginning to end, and all of the tomatoes are full tomatoes, and there are watermelons, yeah. and it's, it is basically the Garden of Eden. Well, it's... Jen Ellis, have we caught you up on meat lump theory? Uh Tell me more. Okay, so meat lump theory uh, it was coined on this here podcast uh, to explain sort of the problematic lack of authority figures in the Charlie Brown universe. And so basically the most logical explanation is that there was some kind of accident that rendered all the adult- adults into limbless lumps of meat who may or may not have a mouth, which is mm-hmm. why they talk like... And so a lot of the unexplainable things in this universe tend to kind of get lumped into lump theory as it were. And so like, why do they have giant heads and tiny little T-Rex arms? For example, why can Snoopy walk upright as a man does and drive a car and read? Right. That sort of thing. And so there may be just something in the soil in whatever it was that lumped the adults. I, I want to explore that world. I'm very excited about meat lump theory. (laughs) Well, well, do I have a podcast for you? (laughs) What stood – usually we go point by point in the plot, but Molly literally just did it. So what was the last Charlie Brown special that you 
as a human adult remember watching Jen? Um, you know, definitely the great pumpkin Christmas. I mean, I own the Christmas. I own the great pumpkin. I think those are the two. That those I, are the top two. Those are the yeah. top two. Yep. I, and I always yearn for, um, they're floating down the river, uh, race for your life. Race for your life. Try, mm-hmm. I, I remember just wanting that to be run on the TV more. Like, cause I, I remember seeing it once and wanting to, to watch it again. And, but like, there's no race for the thing, <laughs> right. you know, like holiday that it would come up and I could like anticipate it. <laughs> it's race for your life day, Charlie exactly. Brown. Yes. It's, it's the Hunger Games. It's the world, Charlie Brown. <laughs> The odds are ever in your favor, Charlie Brown. It's District 3. Um, so going into watching this episode, yeah. what were your expectations for a half hour of peanut-based entertainment? Um, I think a little bit of a, a story arc, just a tad, would have been good. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think I just wanted like something like, oh, there – and there's some sort of morality tale – Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really have any of those things. It nope. just had just a display of despicable child behavior and despicable, you know, like an awful, like all of the awfulness that we can be was in that episode, I felt like. And then it was as, as humans. Yeah. As like a race of humans. Yeah. Like, you know, there's like this like negotiation for intimacy, like, oh, well, if you get a home run, you'll get a kiss. I'm like, oh, this is so gross. <laughs> and. <clears throat> Uh, and the gaslighting of Lucy of like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it for yeah. you. And, and he's feeling like, oh, this is, you know, oh, they're, t- they're really thinking of me. And that's great. <laughs> and then why does Charlie Brown not put Snoopy like in the cleanup position if he's such a good hitter? And just things like that where I'm like, <laughs> there's holes all over. Absolutely. There's holes all over. And, and then it's just like, and we should all plant trees. Every child and adult the end and i'm like what yes yeah so yeah yeah no the the lucy or no sally sort of book report is really the only arc yeah to speak of yeah i do want to go back to because we didn't talk about um lucy cat. bartering a kiss out of yeah. Schroeder. oh it was really gross well let's 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 walk this cat backwards and, yeah. yeah and all I, so very briefly uh <laughs> sally's got to write this book report uh, she gets, she gets, she ropes in Linus to kind of help her out at the library. We learn a little bit about Jay Sterling Morton. And then Sally's like, hey, all this talk about trees, you know what we should do? We should go like sit smoke under some a, wheat. No, we should, we should go smoke. <laughs> Happy 420, Charlie Brown. <laughs> that nobody's ever done that before. DeviantArt.com. Uh, <laughs> Then she's like, let's go under a tree and make spoons. And Linus goes, ah! And then she just chases him around town while he screams. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and they pass by, uh, also sitting underneath a tree, they pass by Peppermint Patty and Charlie Brown. We get some of the weird, like, psycho-romantic interplay uh, that we haven't seen uh, between the two of them since There's No Time for Love, Charlie Brown. <laughs> uh, where basically... Uh, we get sort of the main thrust of this episode, which has not a thing to do with trees, but <laughs> spring, a general spring null sort of a feeling to it. It's going to be the first day of the new baseball season, and Patty and Chuck are sitting under a tree, and Peppermint Patty is like, 
Ah, baseball season's coming up, and we're going to fuck you up 92 different ways, Jen. <laughs> Slaughter, ruin, murder, annihilate, and destroy. That's, I mean, those are her words. Those are her words. Yes. We slaughter you twice in April, smash you three times in May, ruin you twice in June, murder you three times in July, annihilate you four times in August, and destroy you all together in September. My stomach hurts. Uh, and then, but then there's just longing for her to, to be accepted and have com- connection with him well before they have the conversation about the upcoming baseball season and the different ways that she is going to basically slaughter (laughs) annihilate destroy (laughs) (laughs) apropos to nothing when we first see the two of them lounging uh beneath of the tree uh peppermint patty's like hey explain love to me and all of us in the audience are like oh this is about nothing now we're and charlie brown's like well, let's say I saw a cute little girl. Why does that Pepper- be cute? Yeah, exactly. Peppermint Patty's like, why is she cute? Why can't she just be a girl with a big nose? And Charlie Brown's like, well, I don't know. I see a girl with a humongous nose. Why'd it have to be humongous? <laughs> let's just say that I happened to see this girl walk by who has a great big nose. And I didn't say a great big nose, Jack. Nose of stature. <laughs> she just went. She just has a very short fuse. She really does. Yeah. And that's so Charlie Brown screws up uh, being able to discuss love with Peppermint Patty. And then Peppermint Patty's like, and that's why I'm going to step on your junk with cleats all season. Murder. <laughs> annihilate. Strangle. Fuckamify. <laughs> Desecrate. Yeah, it's but but all basically all we learn from this entire exchange, besides the fact that Peppermint Patty needs to say what she means, uh, is is that baseball season is going to start. <laughs> we throw back to Linus and Sally and Lucy, and Sally's like, "It's Arbor Day or whatever, so let's go plant some trees somewhere in America." And Lucy's like, hey, that's a great idea. Let's do it at the baseball field. <laughs> and that really gets us into that. That is the the act one turn <laughs> that sends us careening into These the These two scenes may collide in the future. Yeah. Because <laughs> when I think Arbor Day, we got nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. I think baseball. I, I think guess. baseball. Um, I, so here is my first, here's my first big question. Because we're throwing around the idea. So Lucy basically looks at the baseball field and is like, oh, we'll plan everything here. Linus is like, I don't know if that's such a good idea. Lucy's like, hey, but also shut up. Um, <laughs> and they start planting trees on the baseball field. Here's my question. Does Lucy think that she is zizzing Charlie Brown by doing this? Or does she care so little for baseball, Charlie Brown, or any human's feelings that she's just like, why not plant here? No, she knows what she's doing because there are several moments where Linus is like, I think we should tell Charlie Brown what we've done. And Lucy's like, shut up. It's going to be great, Charlie Brown. You're going to love it. Just you. No, you stay inside. No, turn around. Avert your eyes, Charlie Brown. Like, there is clearly like some like, you wait, we're going to get him. You know, she knows. I I think that it's a, it's a direct fuck you to Charlie Brown. Jen? Um, I think it's both direct, but it also might be driven by a force of, I have a vision and in the end it's going to be perfect and everyone's going to love it. Yes. But, but in the moment you're not going to, and, and I don't have time 
to to deal with the naysayers. Mm, right. So uh, you're not not going to be on the ship, but you will in the end. Yes. This is a uh, ask uh, forgiveness, not permission yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not unlike uh, it's, she's like an Ayn Rand type. <laughs> Like, there's the fountainheadness to this, where she's yeah. just like, I have this vision, I am going to yep. build this thing, and woe be it to the man who will try and stop me. Yeah, 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 yep. Um, and so, and so plant, they do, mm-hmm. and they, it, I, one, let me consult my notes, because, one thing I, oh, it just says fuck you over and over again. <laughs> one thing I, I thought was really great was, uh, him saying, uh, yeah, here's things I would like to do. I'd like to mow the infield and I would like to, cause he, he in Charlie Brown's vision, he wants a, a, a totally, you know, awesome. Wants to get ready for the new, uh, exactly. Season. Sort of an angel's so, in the outfield situation. Yeah, mow the, in, mow the infield, uh, plant beans, which, you know, the bean bag bases is what he was thinking. Mm. But then cut to literal planting of beans. And I just thought that that was like, the cutest probably part of the the thing of like yeah. what I think and I want I'm I'm visualizing I'm saying and what you're thinking what we're actually thinking two different things but we're literally doing <laughs> right you're ironically twisting my intention <laughs> exactly and I'm just like okay that's good that that's like the closest to like well I like the design of this and something you know <laughs> right yeah uh, oh we got a little uh, we got a little Snoopy and Woodstock bullshit. Uh, during the planting sequence, uh, Snoopy plants some seeds, Woodstock rakes them. Yeah, because so- Lucy gets the entire team involved. And yeah. Everybody's complicit in this baseball crime. <laughs> uh, and then Woodstock tries to eat the seeds, which I think would be a problem if you were getting a bird to work with seeds. Uh, and then, uh, what does Snoopy do? Does he pour water on him or just smack him in the head? Or burn he- the whole town down? Yeah, he burns the whole town down. The end. The other thing problematic is raking and creating the grooves in which the seed goes in after the seeds have been placed down. So the order of operations is Snoopy puts the beans down on on the dirt and then Woodstock takes the rake and like (laughs) rakes them up to make like a little. And I'm just like, "Uh, that's not going to work, guys. You got to like. God, they've gotten this wrong on every level. Exactly. (laughs) Man, that dog and bird are terrible gardeners. (laughs) Right. Sounds like. Do you have? Uh, and I'll open this up to everyone. Uh, does anyone here have a green thumb? Does anyone here play? You said you played in the dirt growing up, Jen. Did you do any planting or gardening uh, or anything? Yeah. So I have always had a garden. Uh, the last couple of years, I haven't because, as somebody in the game uh, industry, all of your big conventions are in the summer and you're always traveling. But this year, I have recommitted myself to a garden. I'm pretty excited about that. I just like I like being in the dirt. It's good. <laughs> so that, that that part of this episode must have been nice for you, where it's like, yeah. well, I hate all of these people and everything they're doing, but, but look at all that dirt. <laughs> but, but look at that root ball, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and you really shouldn't put a climber back there. It's really got the, the worst exposure. Like, what, what are these kids doing? <laughs> the, uh, Almost, the, cl- the climbing vine that has... Uh, that chases Snoopy in the... That achieves sentience. M. Night Shyamalan style. It's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I when I saw that vi- so uh, Frida, uh, who for the first time in a while gets to talk about her naturally curly hair, finally. 
natural. She's like, I'm going to put up these climbing vines by the backstop. That'll be look great with my naturally curly hair. Pause for applause. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it tries to kill Snoopy. Yep. Which was at least a nice change of pace. Yeah. Usually he's doling out just violence. He's just being a terrible, right. terrible dog. But he, he was a dick to this plant and it came right back at him. Yeah, take that. This is called a creeping vine, Snoopy. This backstop area will look beautiful. My naturally curly hair will look nice against the bright green background. Here's a question for the group. Do you think there's anything that Frida could not contextualize in terms of her naturally curly hair? September 11th. <laughs> you think she, she couldn't? I don't think she, I, I think she'd be hard pressed. I don't know. I think the acrid air really did some, uh, a number on her naturally curly right here. <laughs> There's too much dust. <laughs> oh, I, okay. I see. So it, it would just, yeah. All right. I take it back. She would be able to, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I don't I don't think that there's a bottom to that pit. I was just wondering if there was any conceivable, like a oh, theoretical we'll endpoint. Yeah. <laughs> Do you? Can you think of anything she I wouldn't can't. be able to? That's why I threw it open. I don't. Yeah. No. 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 She's I, got naturally curly hair vision. Yeah. Seemingly. Yeah. When hair tinted glasses. <laughs> oh God! I think Elton John wore those. Ones. <laughs> oh boy, the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, there's a little. There was a little question whether or not. Uh, Snoopy is Joe Cool in this episode. Yeah, he was wearing sunglasses, and it, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to overgeneralize. You know, the, the Joe Cool's a very strong brand. I think I would know if I was supposed to know it was Joe Cool. Joe Cool is always a dog with sunglasses, but not every dog with sunglasses is Joe it's, Cool. Exactly. If I were to put glasses on Banjo, for example. Well, I mean, I would like to see you he try. He would be Banjo Cool. Yes. Yes. yes, he would. You'd have to get a little sweater, though, that says Banjo Cool. I feel like that's what defines Joe Cool. Halloween 2018. Mm-hmm. We got this going on. <laughs> uh, and the piece de resistance of they plant vines, they plant watermelons, they plant tomatoes. And the piece de resistance is they plant a big old tree dead center in the pitcher's mound. That's where they start. That's it's like the focal point. It kind of like it's the rug that ties the whole room together. Yeah. You know, it was it was interesting because that's like a very English country yes. uh, thing of, you know, this tree in the center. Yeah. And I was like, really? Yeah. The rest of the production kind of draws the eye. Yeah. yeah. To the- um, and everybody seems to have the biggest problem with it. I haven't spent a lot of time on a pitcher's mound, but like, so basically they set up this giant verdant field with uh, everything under God's firmament growing at once. Somehow uh, they go to Charlie Brown's house. They're like, all right, it's like the first day of baseball or whatever. Come on, Charlie Brown. And also, we're naming the field after you, mm-hmm. which is like Lucy's. You're right. She's she understands. She's, she's twisting doing. the knife. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's one of the rare moments of joy that Charlie Brown gets to uh, gets to have in her his miserable life, which he literally struggles to process when yeah. they tell him this news. He's like, okay, thanks. You're gonna what? That's right, Charlie Brown. Henceforth, it's to be called Charlie Brown Field. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, my name? How can I? How can I thank you? They're gonna name a field after me. We should after put up a me? sign. <laughs> we should. This is my favorite. We should put up a, fu- a sign. Charlie Brown Field, and it's like. 
Yes, of course that's what yes. we'd call it. That's the point of naming a field. Yeah. yeah, I guess they did say that to him to to try and soften the blow. Mm-mm. And yet, maybe a baseball field in which you can't really successfully play baseball should really only be named Charlie Brown Field. Think about it. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that there is actually – Lucy does have a funny line. Uh, so they bring Charlie Brown to the field and uh, it looks like uh, the Garden of Goddamn Eden. And Charlie Brown passes out, comes to, and is like, we can't play baseball on this. And Lucy's like, we couldn't play baseball before. Fart. And then uh, Peppermint Patty and the other team shows up. Peppermint Patty has a world-class meltdown. Oh, man. Blaming it all on Charlie Brown. Uh, and I guess, in, I don't, I guess it's his fault in a way because Lucy, basically nine different times, he was like, I would like to look at my baseball field. And Lucy's like, yeah, nah, nah. And he's like, okay, I guess I'll go sit inside and stare at the fucking wall. (laughs) Right. Oh, and, oh, this is an interesting little bit of Charlie Brown's character that I would like to discuss. Uh, before the big reveal of the verdant baseball, Charlie Brown field, uh, we see Charlie Brown figuring out the batting order. Yeah. And we are reminded that actually when he doesn't get in his own way, Charlie Brown is actually a pretty good manager. Yeah. He's got a whole system. He's like, we'll have this person bat and this person bat and then Snoopy. And then I'll come up and hit a big home run. And then he stops himself and he says... There I go, daydreaming again. And I think this might be the most character development that has ever happened in this universe. I feel like I just walked into a Silicon Valley podcast about management. (laughs) (laughs) And knowing yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And yet, in every... And yet it's true, yeah. Yeah, in every episode... I'm thinking back uh, two episodes ago, we were talking about uh, Valentine's Day. And this is the same Charlie Brown who never gets any Valentines, uh, but still shows up to class with a briefcase to hold all of his Valentines. He always imagines himself like, and then I'll come in and I'll be the hero. And this is the first time that I've seen him cut himself off and just be like, all right, I got to reel this in. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really nice moment. Yeah, yeah it's true. I mean, it, it is one of the the most beautiful thing about that character is um he has this hope in the future of this beautiful future in which everything works out in a really big way and picturing himself in the center of that and to remove yourself out of that and be like you know that's probably not going to happen that's kind of huge it is and it's like it's i mean it's happy and sad on yeah. one hand i'm like oh Hey, that's fantastic because you are probably not going to hit a home run. Yeah. If you do, that's fan- it's great. If you don't, then maybe today is the day that you won't immediately go into bed and just lay there for yeah. a week. Which is why I'm going to retract back to the if you start off the bit saying Snoopy is the best hitter, you got to put him in third. Bat him third, not first. Right. He's got to be in sweet position, third or fourth. You're sorry. such a jock. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's game theory. That's yeah, your whole. You just, it's my thing. You know, it's, it's, it's a thing. It is your thing. Um, but but it's also the reason why he did it is he's just envisioning himself of like, and I do that all the time personally, and so I kind of felt like that whole moment where you're like, no, nah, it's probably not going to happen that way. 
where you're kind of proud of yourself for like figuring that out for accepting for your, accepting your, the, the prospect of failure yeah uh, but it's also how like you probably make a better lineup when you do that so, yeah no because no, charlie brown's his whole thing is like he keeps getting just kicked in the nuts with cleats but he still goes like you know what i should just stand with like my my legs in kind of a foot shaped <laughs> it'll probably be fine that's like that's his whole deal <laughs> So, so the big game kicks off, and Peppermint Patty, after giving Charlie Brown yet another ration of shit, which seems to be the basis of their entire relationship, uh, it's half that and then half her going, but what I'm trying to say is you really like me, right? Uh, Peppermint Patty, uh, goes up to the mound to pitch, loses the ability to keep track of her limbs, mm-hmm. and keeps getting caught up by a gigantic tree. Which isn't even that gigantic, but like she throws the ball and her arm gets hooked on it and then her leg gets hooked and it's just like, just girl, just stand in front of the tree. It's fine. (laughs) The Bud Selig isn't here. The commissioner of baseball isn't here. If you're not standing in like the regulation spot on the mound, it's okay. Nothing about this is regulation. You girl, you're fine. (laughs) It's the old West out there. It's a mess. It is such a mess. And, uh. And they get, I think they get like a couple runs. They need a home run. And this is where we get to like a suite of scenes in the middle of this episode that are just, just really like, this is just, it's shit candy with a creamy garbage center. <laughs> right. It's a and, crunchy frog. And, we, <laughs> and, and so here it is. It's, it's Lucy's turn up to the bat. Mm-hmm. And, and I think everyone's going like, you're not gonna, she's like, I'm gonna hit a home run. No, you're not. You never hit, you've never hit into center field. No, you're not gonna do it. And Schroeder, I think in disbelief, right? He says, if you hit a home run, I will give you the biggest smooch you've ever had in your life. And she's like, so gross. So gross. I, I related to that moment so much. Uh, just the, like, just like I, I feel like that's how, as a self-employed person, I yeah. I sort of bait myself through my day. If, is, I, if I write this, if I write another song about Abraham Lincoln, if then I f- will give me a big smooch. <laughs> <laughs> well, not I would not quite. Well, I mean that that too, but but the bullshit part of this is Schroeder. Then, as she steps away, says, "Ah, she'll never make it." And I'm just like, "You're such a douche. You're just he is yeah. just." What an arrogant piece of shit. We, Always. Like, really. We can't stress this enough. Schroeder is the worst. He's absolutely I think there's the worst. a really good chance that Schroeder might be the absolute worst. In this universe, I think so. In the animated, in the Peanuts animated universe, absolutely. Yes. He is, he is cocky. He is smug and superior. More than once he has like white knighted himself into a situation just to kind of like lecture people after being like silent for basically the rest of the episode. Yeah. Never standing up for anybody, but always being the first in line to be like, why are you doing this to this person? Which, by the way, I've been here an sentient human being this entire time and I could have stepped in at any time. But now I feel like. I have the opportunity to make you feel bad. Yeah, Schroeder, like, he he's like the garbage YouTube comments of mm-hmm. the Peanuts universe, whereas, like, Lucy's more like the coordinated cyberbullying campaign, you know? Like, there's sort of a... <laughs> which we all know and love. Yeah, which is maybe why why they're they're sort of suited to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, uh, they're awful. Lucy, of course, hits a home run and skips around the bases. At one point, say, like... Singing just like random atonal, like John Cageian notes, just like doop, but doop, doop, 
looks like he just ate basically a trichinosis sandwich like his eyes are spinning <laughs> he's, he's just his throat's closing up he's breaking out in mumps and he drags his ass up to the uh, home plate and like cl- like he's about to be shot right it's his death sentence yeah he closes his eyes and puckers up and just looks like he just wishes that god would take him out lucy gets to home plate looks at him and is like you know what if this is how you're going to be, fuck you. Which is like, great. Mm-hmm. And so she, so she just gets to have the feeling of a job well done. Sits on the bench, throws up the Nixonian double piece sign, and shouts, Another victory for women's lib. We have two women on the panel today. <laughs> the year is 1976. The year is 1976. <laughs> Dateline, 1976. Women's live enjoys another victory on the baseball mound. <laughs> I, I am not going to answer this question. I will open it up to the panel. <laughs> Ladies, was this a victory for women's lib? I don't really know what the challenge was for women's lib, honestly. Like, what was- I don't think it was a women's lib thing. I think it was just for her own... Uh, you know, self-determination of, you know, of, of saying, I don't want that if, if that's where it's coming from. Sure. You know, it's like it, it, you don't want the crunchy frog. Uh, <laughs> no thanks, crunchy frog. Not today. I'll spend my calories elsewhere. Right. Uh, and I think that's, that's just a, a good note for her. Yeah. Well, and she, I think that Lucy, her relationship with the phrase women's lib is a lot like Charlie Brown's relationship with the, like the phrase commercial in yeah. the Christmas special is it's just kind of a thing he throws around to represent stuff he doesn't like. There was an episode where Lucy was like saying, you know, I can't stop loving that man. And that, that, that there was a whole monologue like, if the girls at Women's Lib knew how I throw myself at this man, they would take away my membership. <laughs> the next Women's Lib meeting, yeah. you're going to get it. The girls. And so I, I don't know if she, I think Women's Lib is more of an abstract, just kind of representing. But like, I think that that is very indicative of 1976. Sure. Is that it was very abstract for the majority of people who were probably watching that. And, <laughs> and the majority of people... Writing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, agreed. And producing it in anime. Or it's it. like, uh, self-determination and, you know, women's liberation is, you know, maybe you could have refined that a little bit, but they, they were probably not really getting it. It's just so. kind of a catch-all for Exactly. Like, yeah. Oh, she's trying to be her own self. An uppity lady. She's one yeah. of those libbers, aren't you? And I mean, and I think, I think to Lucy, she interprets it as anything that is good for I, Ms. Lucy Van Pelt. Yeah. A woman is therefore good for women's lip. Yeah. I don't need no man. Therefore, women don't need no man. <laughs> also, trees, question mark? <laughs> Baseball. If I hit a home run, Schroeder, will you give me a kiss? That's where my notes end. Yeah. No, uh, I, I put the plants start playing for Charlie Brown's team, because that's oh, the thing yes. that happens. Yes. Uh, so the game goes on, and this is a rarity in the peanut, both the animated and any aspect of the Peanuts universe, Charlie Brown's team starts winning. And the way that they start winning is by wholly saying so long to the rules of baseball as it is played here on planet Earth. Um, there's like, uh, there is a scarecrow that has two baseball gloves on it. 
a ball flies into it. That's an out. Mm-hmm. Uh, a ball goes careening outside of the field. Rerun on the back of his mother's bike catches it. In passing. Yes. In passing. That is also an out. Uh, there is a spare arm in a tree that we don't know what child it belongs to. Might just be the tree. Could just be the tree that has, I mean, fuck, watermelons grew to full maturity in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this is an arm tree. God, maybe that's where the kite eating tree came from. They wrought their own destruction. <laughs> oh no. But it never had arms. It always just had, it just like had a, a mouth. It had just a big Cheshire. That would be amazing grin. if a mouth opens in the tree and just eats the ball and that counts for some reason though. Well, it wouldn't it wouldn't be surprising. Like and I think like the ball gets lost in like a bean field yep. and seemingly Peppermint Pat is the only person on our team. <laughs> She's the only person we see playing. Uh She's the MVP. That is Oh no, Franklin goes up to bat. Oh oh Franklin. Uh and she said, "Well, yeah, her team goes up and she says, "I got all my strongest batters about to hit." So it's Franklin and then Marcy, which means that Marcy is just like a good baseball player. Yeah, she's the one who hit it out of the park and yes, but in the rerun's hand, caught, <laughs> caught by rerun, who is neither playing the game nor even near the field. Nor he had you know, assumedly small hands that were not covered or protected, and that velocity was probably coming in pretty hot. So yeah, yeah. He's got strong little wrists, that boy. He's all cartilage still. He's so young. Yeah, that's it. Just kind of absorbed it. That's how I, uh, I, I was dropped. Did I ever tell you I was dropped off the side of a cliff? No. Uh, my uh, family and another family would go to uh, Cape Cod for the summer, uh, a couple summers in a row when I was real, like real, real super little. Uh, and they would always bring like two babysitters with them. And, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the Cape. But there's like the parking lot area and then just sort of like a big jagged bluff and yeah. then beach. And you yep. go down the stairs. Uh, my uh, babysitter was holding me over the, like, by the fence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wriggled out of her arms. Where was dropped? Uh, and went bonk, ba bonk, ba bonk, ba bonk, ba bonk down the side of this jagged bluff. Oh, my gosh. Uh, a lifeguard found me, picked me up, brought me to my mom with my little, my head literally, like, hanging limp over the side. Like, just, it was, it was a problem. It oh. was a whole deal. Uh, my mom had to be slapped. Not by a doctor. Yeah. Not by the lifeguard. It was, uh, it was her friend. My mom was, and it actually, I don't know if it worked. <laughs> but it was like, she was in hysterics and needed. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I'm like sure. literally like a classic, like, like an airplane. Yeah. Where everybody and everybody <laughs> then lined up. Um, and, uh, the reason why I'm quote unquote fine. I mean, your mileage may vary, folks, <laughs> and your perception of me. Uh, but, uh, it's because I was, uh, I was just, I was just all like real loose. Just made out of wax. At yeah, that it was point. basically just made out of wax. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, and so it goes with rerun, and that's why his entire arm did yeah. not break off of his body. Yeah, he's just kind of just a little jello person. Just rolled with it. Um, Charlie Brown's team is winning thanks to the magic of trees, mm-hmm. which I guess is a real mother Gaia's watching over their baseball game. <laughs> It's not nice to try and steal a base from Mother Nature. <laughs> but it works with them and against them because Snoopy uh, gets an out because the crawling vines grab him by, like, the throat and drag him away from the base. Right. Um, so. Nature, <laughs> Which maybe on, he deserved, yeah. He had it coming. Nature's on one side and one side only, and that is nature. Um, oh, also during the game at one point. Uh, now, mind you, we watched this on a uh, on a website uh, that will not be named. 
let us just say it rhymes with schmalish motion, uh, where, where intellectual property goes to die. Um, and so maybe the, there was a flaw in the, in the playback readers and listeners and watchers. Please, uh, please let us know. There's a scene where somebody hits a long fly and, uh, it blows off all of Charlie Brown's clothes, which is a classic. Um, and Charlie Brown's like, I hope my outfielders get it. We cut to Frida and Lucy uh, admiring a flower, and they are both talking in backward mask Satan talk. Mm-hmm. It, and in fact, if we could drop that in. I hope my fielders get it. Yeah, come on. Are Yeah, I don't know what happened there exactly. Uh I, we had to watch it three days. Molly missed it the first two times, which made me terrified that I was having a brain episode. Well, because it's not human speech. It doesn't grab your brain the same way human speech does. No, it's literally like, uh, oh, which, how do the animals, this is, I feel like this is the uh, second time I've brought up animals. How do the animals talk in Animal Crossing? It, it is, it's a lot like that. So or the Sims, or Simsish. Sort of that noise. Yeah. Um, it's terrifying. And my theory there was that, uh, again, it's sort of like the happening. So many nuclear weird plants and trees have been grown that they're beginning to garble the children's speech. Yeah. Now that, yeah. Now that we lump theory is on the table, that may be that just how Lucy communicates to her cronies and sort of the secret matriarchy that runs this town. Oh, you know, it may be huh. it's, I mean, we, it, it could be they're sort of communicating this conspiracy, which kind of goes along with the whole idea of probably how people saw women's lib at the time, too. So, Ooh, there you go. yeah, it's very saucy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yes, we are, we are watching that through the male gaze. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's two women talking about a flower. You know what it probably sounds like? Bleep, bleep, blah. God, yeah. You're probably telling me to take out the trash and I ain't gonna because the game's on. Women talk different than men. When a man talks about a flower, he's all like this. Hey, fuck you, flower. When a woman's like it, she's like, bloop, 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 bloop. I've never met a lady. <laughs> I'm glad that Shroomy voice is back. Hey. Every baseball game is the same. <laughs> what just occurred to me, and this is dumb, but I'm going to put it out anyway, because uh, we need to fill time because there's nothing going on in this dang special. Um, but is the thrust of the thing, cause like the only times they mention Arbor Day are when Sally is presenting to the class for some yeah. reason. But could it be argued that the reason they did so well at the baseballs for the time being was because they befriended a tree? Yeah. Or, or they totally oxygenated the whole area. So people have been a little, you know, deprived a little <laughs> right. bit. And they're like, oh, we, we're, we were not performing at peak. <laughs> right. <laughs> We we needed a little something something, and now we got. This is yeah. what happens when you befriend some plants. Exactly. To be fair, nobody's particularly. Pl- I guess Lucy is playing better because she hits an actual home That's, run. Yeah. So maybe mm-hmm. she was oxygen deprived. But it seems like the thesis statement is, uh, trees and plants are better at baseball than Charlie Brown and That's his players. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Which, again, more power to the trees. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if I'd be able to tell the difference. Uh, because of the activity level of the sport between seeing a bunch of humans play baseball and seeing a bunch of trees play baseball. It's and, about the same. And I feel like I prefer the latter. Yeah. Like, I'll say this. If tomorrow every baseball field was just turned into a beautiful verdant garden, I think I'd, I think I'd happily pay 20 bucks to go sit in the bleachers and look at it and eat a hot dog. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. That's not not what Amazon's doing in uh, downtown Seattle, right? With their fucking terror domes. The public is not allowed in, so I have no idea. Oh, is that true? Yes. Twice Are- a month and student groups, but otherwise it's well, just Amazon employees. Do you know what we're talking about? No. Oh, da- in downtown Seattle, um, in an effort to revitalize the downtown core, um, sure. they have these three glass spheres which we just call Bezos' balls because that's what they fucking are. But they're full of, um, I don't know what the deal is specifically, if they're endangered or, but they're in some way non-native, but it's just full of trees and kind of these little tiered sort of sitting areas. And it's really just an extended cafeteria for Amazon employees, but it takes up a whole city block downtown. Oh, it's just a way so that you don't have to be, have interaction with people who basically, yeah. It's the the extended what Amazon is developing in downtown Seattle is an extended advertisement for working for Amazon in some way. Wow. It's like making it its campus. Yes. Yes, exactly. And they have magnanimously said that twice a month it'll be open to the public. Are they Uh. are they building those trees that have little baseball gloves that stick out? See, yeah, Yeah. it's it's all part of Jeff Bezos's plan to beat (laughs) us all at baseball. He's going to just Jeff Bezos versus the Mariners. <laughs> now now here's what I want. I don't ever need to see this episode again. However, I would like to see Ken Burns It's Arbor Day Charlie Brown. <laughs> or at least work it into like it's like the uh the extra episode of Ken Burns Baseball that just talks about this game like then- all the letters are written by rerun. <laughs> my my dearest blanket. It was quite a scene out on the field today. At at our darkest hour, a ball was caught by a tree wearing a glove. (laughs) Sorghum did not have a corporeal form, could not see, speak, or move, for it was a plant planted in the ground, and yet that year led the league in runs and catches. Oh, no. <laughs> it's kind of nice when the episodes are so threadbare, because then we can just goofs. <laughs> I love the goofs. I love the goofs. I love the goofs. Um, were you... Now, Jen, uh, you didn't... Uh, you said you didn't really like to play uh, with other kids growing up. And yet, you know n- enough about the game of baseball to understand where Snoopy needs to go in the lineup. Did you? Did you, Did you go knock the old ball around i don't even know slang (laughs) (laughs) it's fun to see a struggle um (laughs) another victory for women's lip uh my neighborhood on long island uh was populated by uh so it was around 1986 when the new york mets were um uh in the world series Mm -hmm. with uh, a certain boston team uh and um that's the Red Sox. I, thank you. Okay. <laughs> and, and members of that team lived in my neighborhood. Members uh, of the Mets did? Yes. Oh, that's neat. Uh, and so uh, Woody Harrelson lived in my neighborhood, who uh, was one of the coaches and went on to be uh, coach of the Mets. But so, not, Wood, not Woody Harrelson, Woody Harrelson. Uh, no, no, oh, not that one. The other okay. one. Um, the uh, You didn't know there was another one, did you? I didn't. Uh, <laughs> so um, I find baseball to be very, very boring. Um, Here's why. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking exhausting. It, it is just, I think it's just the worst. But uh, during that very brief time of Daryl Strawberry, uh, and I like remember the 86 Mets lineup uh, because it was, you know, a very hometown thing. Uh, but other than that, I really didn't really know. 
Yeah. I've always thought it telling that in the lyrics of Take Me Out to the Ball Game, most of it is about food and the crowd. Yes. And there's very little mention of the game of baseball. <laughs> yeah, nothing. No. You know, You're root for a team. Yep. And if yeah. they don't win, oh well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you don't care if you ever go back. Yeah, you just get to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, and I'm sure that's not what they meant, but I always took that to mean like, I'll go to this, but after that's done, right. you can cross that off the list. <laughs> you can take me shit. to the ball game, but you need to buy me peanuts. You yeah. need to buy me Cracker Jacks. <laughs> it's Lucy's yeah. song. <laughs> uh, so thanks to trees, thanks to the magic of trees, uh, Charlie Brown's team is going to win their first game ever. And then they all stand on the pitcher's mound. And and Schroeder's like, you're you're gonna win this game, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown's like, yeah. The only thing that could stop us now is if it it starts pouring rain. I love the way those clouds are drawn. Just the squiggle attack that happened in the sky. Yeah, the darkening clouds is just the best. My highlight. Also due to the over-oxygenization of the area, perhaps? Yeah, Who's to say? Exactly. They plan- <laughs> we planted too many trees. Tr- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ugh, I can't breathe. T- this air is too healthy. <laughs> John Waters has this fantastic rant about trees and how he just hates them, stealing all of our precious oxygen. I don't think he understands how trees work. But My think- mother literally does not like trees. She finds them depressing. Hey, What? <laughs> you were the perfect guest for the Arbor Day special then I'm sorry what it sounded like was your mother hates trees because she finds them depressing absolutely can we go into that yes absolutely so uh, it really comes it's a total a tree grows into Bro- in Brooklyn story of a young girl who's from Queens grew up her whole life in the city and then moves out to Levittown you know the whole 1950s dream uh, and suburbia and is like trees are depressing because trees mean that I'm separated from people and I'm not in a city. Oh, wow. it's really it and it's very intense. Like oh. fall would come and like like leaves and being outside she's like oh my gosh i'll be inside like i cannot deal with this wow so wow and it just stuck the whole time like does she to this day find like you just spent a week with her at sea yeah Uh, no trees out there yeah no trees yeah exactly (laughs) i know where to take her this is where we go out the ocean the desert yeah (laughs) uh i think it's i really think it's more like deciduous tree she lives in florida now uh but i really do think it's it's the whole idea of being separated from people, being able to walk to stores and not being in a vibrant city feel. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, being in a suburban place or being mm-hmm. too rural doesn't like it. I live in Oregon. So uh, she visited once and really did not like it because of the trees. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I yeah. don't think I, I mean, I will say this. When you say it out loud first, it's like, wait, why is she mad? Yeah. There is a, I understand. A live duck. I mean, she doesn't say it, oh, you know, I hate trees because of this. I mean, I. Can we get her a t shirt? <laughs> Avis Hillis hates trees. I hate trees. Yes. Ask me about how I hate trees. <laughs> I mean, she, she doesn't connect those things herself or share in that way, but uh, I know the other things that trigger or have, that she's talked about of, you know, because I find it fascinating of, she was, you know, sold the dream, you know, with uh, 
uh, you know, of all of the expansion into suburbs and here mm-hmm. you have all these things. Yeah. And as a person who was like, I'm supposed to do this and this is what I do. And yet long to go back to a city life and her whole life. And I don't think I knew this about your family. Yeah. Literally Levittown. Molly, you're familiar yeah. with Levittown, yes? No? Oh, uh, I know I know what it is. I yeah. Nothing to do with uh, it. Uh, yeah, no, I just meant like it was, if not the first suburb, right. certainly one of the first, if not the first mm-hmm. planned cookie cut. Like yeah. in the, when they're singing about the town in Pleasant Valley Sunday, right. they're basically talking yes. about Levittown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was a Levittown, New York, and there was a Levittown, Pennsylvania. Wait, they franchised it? Yes. Why well, didn't know that? The Levitt part. Brothers, and you had two choices. My, my, my father used to tell me, you had two choices of models of which ones you take. Uh, and like, and this was it. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's the birth of cookie cutter suburbia. And yeah, the, yeah. literally the roads, you know, this is the whole, uh, was it Jones? What, what's, what's it? Who's the, the guy who, um, did all the expansion in, of New York, the kind of urban, the non-urban planner who just kind of cut through cross Bronx. Uh, this like is that. a Storm D. Costanzo question. Yes, yeah. it is. Anyway, one. so, uh, um, anyway, they literally built highways to get to these new towns that had overpasses that were too low for buses to go so that you couldn't get public transportation. Because they're racist. Exactly. Racist. But, you know, my my mother had, you know, all of her family couldn't drive. They never grew up driving. So it really separated them from, you know, the rest of the family. Racist and classist. Exactly. The perfect perfect urban planning. Let's add a little heat to that and call that a city. Molly, does anyone in your family have opinions about trees for or against? I mean, I don't like palm trees. I never liked palm trees. I don't think they're even really trees. I think they're just weeds that we let grow out of control. Palm trees are nice from a distance, but after a particularly windy day, like chunks of them will fall off mm-hmm. and they look like something out of David Cronenberg's The Fly. Well, like they're, <laughs> they look like an exoskeleton. Yes, they're terrifying. Absolutely. And we, and we are in, we are in Hollywood at the moment. The Dream Factory. And it's, and palm trees are not native to this climate. They're, they are weeds. They are not, they're an invasive species and we, we import them. We import them from other countries, other continents. Um, and so I live in the Pacific Northwest now where trees just grow there. They weren't put there yeah. intentionally as part of the scene design. And I find that appealing. I enjoy that very much. Um, but growing up down here where the trees don't change color in the seasons, I think that's kind of why I, yeah, I was drawn to the Pacific Northwest in the first place. Yeah. It's like, oh, these belong. It, yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, when I first started coming out here for work, uh, I was, uh, I was driving with a friend of mine and, uh, it seemed like everybody with a truck and a ladder and a pair of clippers who worked for the city of Los Angeles uh, was out trimming the trees back. Uh, and I was like, what What are they doing exactly? Because the trees seem fine the way they are. Or is it just this is such an appearances oriented city that the trees, the trees always have to look perfect? And they're like, no, because if they stopped doing this, the trees would grow and overtake us all because there's nothing – there, but this is back around when Los Angeles had a little thing I like to call water. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's as much of a problem. Now. Throwback. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before carpetbaggers like us came here and bled them dry with our unquenchable thirst for, for water, right? <laughs> and baths and shit. Um, I I I realize I've been asked. 
I don't know if I have an opinion about trees one way or the other. Huh. They exist. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, <laughs> oh, let me tell you about my favorite childhood tree. So we had a liquid amber tree, and our uh, neighbors across the street, who we hated, had an identical liquid amber tree. And those are the ones that drop the little balls, the little sort of cherry-shaped things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Little spiky things. And so my dad would send us out into the front yard with a badminton racket, and he would tell us to hit <laughs> those spike balls into their yard because it's plausible deniability. You know, their tree might just drop more stuff than ours does. And he gave us a nickel for everyone we knocked over. That's fantastic. Hey, but here's the thing. Wouldn't you see that? Wouldn't you see the neighbor kids with... Oh, they know? did once and then it stopped. But <laughs> okay. we had a good summer. Very lucrative oh summer. Oh my God, that sounds... Nickels, nickels, nickels. Nickels, nickels, nickels. <laughs> um, I, uh, I was never like a tree climber or a tree house haver. But also my mom was just like constantly afraid my entire childhood. Like, you're going to break your neck. And she was absolutely right. After yeah. dropping you off a cliff. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, can see that. Uh, you know, you, I'm connecting those dots as we speak. Uh <laughs> I think the most I ever got out of a tree was I definitely, my grandparents had like a little beach shack on, uh, in Old Saybrook and mm-hmm. there was a big tree in the front of their yard and I had the, uh, I had just gotten, uh, from the local dairy mart, the oversized comic book adaptation of Star Wars. Wow. Uh, and cause all I wanted to do was just keep going to the movies and watching Star Wars and my family was like, no, that costs money. And you probably should be outside. So I propped up the comic book in the tree, like in, on two low branches. Yeah. And then would just stand back and stare at it to try and simulate the movie going experience. And then like a minute would go by and I would like flip the page and then take a step back. See, that's look at the tree. That's more or less the standing desk that you've made. You're ahead of your time. I invented the standing desk. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> So it sounds like we are a group that would rather, if we had a baseball field to do with as we pleased, we would rather just plant trees on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the more that we talk about it, the more that I think this is a great idea for baseball in general. And they can still play. Yeah, I mean, it could be a more exciting game, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like pachinko, but horizontal, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Oh, no, that's my other suggestion. We should then make everything vertical. <laughs> yeah, vertical baseball. Plinko. <laughs> they have to hang on the trees and throw them up and down. I think this would work. Um, the, the heavens open up. The rain washes out the game. Charlie Brown has lost. Again. Um, again. Um, he stands there and he begs everyone to stay. They don't. Snoopy does like the backstroke through and then Sally in this short amount of time has fashioned Huck and Jim's raft (laughs) and is just sailing away and saying like, well, you got to admit, big brother, it's good for the crops (laughs) because this is what they're all living. Because they've been starving. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And then and then Charlie Brown and Peppermint Patty sit under a tree. Uh, Oh, uh. Oh, uh, Sally does her book report and everybody's like, how sure. I spend my Arbor Day oh, yeah, by Sally exactly. Brown. Uh, and she talks about, she does say one nice thing. Uh, I, I guess I haven't given Arbor Day much of a thought one way or the other, but, uh, and I think it's a quote from the gentleman who invented Arbor Day, uh, that it is a holiday that looks to the future, whereas most holidays look to the past. Mm, mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, Sally gets a passing grade. She does great. Uh, and then, uh, Peppermint Patty and Charlie Brown sit under a tree 
And Peppermint Patty's like, well, it's too bad you didn't win, but you never will. And you're terrible. It was really a shadier interaction in that <laughs> Peppermint Patty's Well, because like, they're under a tree. <laughs> hey, Damn. Damn. <laughs> and that's that's an like, arbor dab. She's like, well, that's- you wouldn't want to win that way. You wouldn't want to win on account of rain. Like, it was, it was really like a... It was just a weird inter. It just was. I don't know. I really did not like the inter- interaction whatsoever. <laughs> All of their interactions are fraught and sad and weird. Yes, yes. Um, and then she says, and then she holds his hand and says, "Happy Ar- Arbor Day, Charlie Brown." And he blushes. And then we watch a tree grow in real time over the closing credits. <laughs> And and that's all she wrote. That that's is it. all she wrote. A sad footnote to a garbagey, garbagey episode. And uh, it came up uh, pretty organically when we were watching the episode. Uh, Molly turned to me and said, "So, at what point did the Vince Guaraldi era end?" Because you know we're about halfway through the 1970s, and we all know that at some point, because he died very young, uh, it ended about. Two to four hours after he turned in, as it turns out, his final work for It's Arbor Day, Charlie Brown. Uh, this was Vince Guaraldi's last score uh, for Charlie Brown or for anything. Which they didn't mention in the text of, like, in the credits or in the, like... Now, on the uh, on the Wikipedia, uh, it said that it was dedicated to, like, there was a title card that said for Vince Mm -hmm. that might have been left off of the fly by night 99 cent store uh, website that we were watching uh, this episode (laughs) on. But yeah, this was uh, this was his last one. And I will say the music was fine. I did spend the whole time thinking because I brought it up because I thought about how his music is this tonic that kind of gets you through some sort of garbage specials like this. And it was desperately needed in this one. There was like a, you know, in this extended Snoopy bullshit sequence where he's fighting with a vine while he's trying to bat for baseball, because that's a thing that can happen in this universe. There's a little funky little sort of going up to bat music. And there's kind of a light Joe Cool while they're planting seeds incorrectly. And it's sort of a thing that you can sort of space out and focus on when the special holds nothing else for you. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see in upcoming episodes how the feel of it changes because the only other exposure that we've had to a Garaldi-less Charlie Brown universe is Snoopy Come Up. Yes. Uh, which of course was done by the Sherman brothers and is not their finest of work. But you also really, once you swap out sort of jazzy, funky, hip, cool, you know, Lower East Side jazz with like the Doodletown Pipers and tight orchestral arrangements, it's like, oh, this goes from being something interesting to being just kids' garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see in upcoming episodes how long they hang on. And truth be told, uh, two episodes back, uh, we were talking about uh, Valentine's Day, Charlie Brown. And I noticed that in that episode, that was the first time that you heard anything resembling a synthesizer. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. this was did, the era for it. It did not, as Atlantis would say, it did not augur well. It didn't... I. Having sort of artificial sounds in this universe felt very wrong. Yeah, I think it depends on what holiday they're, yeah. they're celebrating, for example. Yes. Um, if we can bust out a Sinclavier for something, gosh darn it, we're going right. to do it. Well, there's kind of this, also this sort of weird period. I've been thinking about this a lot as I've been getting into synth music myself. 
But there was a period in like the mid to late seventies where people knew how to use the tools, but they didn't know how, like how to incorporate them, right. if that makes sense. And maybe we'll go through those growing pains with future Charlie Brown soundtracks. Who knows? Um, yeah. And the difference between just wanting electronic music to sound just like that, just like bleeps and bloops and electronic music or having it try and sound like other instruments. Mm-hmm. And that's all it's all. My attitude has always been, I love bleeps and bloops. I don't like it when you try and sell me bleeps and bloops as an orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, uh, Jen. Yeah. You said you did not like cartoons growing up. Correct. Based on this, do you feel like you want to get, you want to dive back into the animated pool <laughs> and blandish around in it? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of this was, like remembering my like the whole Snoopy thing where I'm like, why am I watching? Like, why is he cackling while he's breaking copyright laws? What you know? <laughs> why is it so you know funny that he puts Woodstock in the in a photocopier? Like, yeah. this is a this is an extended bit in the library where Snoopy's reading something that's making him laugh. So he goes to the photocopier and ironically wastes like a hundred motherfucking trees <laughs> yeah. to print things out of a book of dog training, which is a runner in the animated world. Snoopy <laughs> finds any sort of dog training stuff hilarious yeah. and then throws Woodstock in there and closes it flat and like puts like a like hundred thousand glow-in-the-dark Timex watches worth of radiation <laughs> yeah. through Woodstock's tiny yellow body and then opens it up and Woodstock is furious and Snoopy just laughs and laughs. You know, I didn't put together that he was destroying trees as he was doing that yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, so I ha- guess, happy Arbor Day, motherfucker. I guess what make, what wastes more paper than a newspaper comic, though, if we're, if we're being real about it. Yeah, take yeah. that. Take- That's so smart now, are you? <laughs> Molly, how are you? How are you doing with the knowledge that these episodes are heading in this direction? Well, I got some. I got some points of light to look forward to. Right, we got race for your life at the end of this season. Yes, um, we have. I have a weird soft spot for Bon Voyage, Charlie Brown, and What Have We Learned, which are dour. Yes, <laughs> there's. They literally. There's a whole montage where Linus just kind of fantasizes about D Day, and. I think that's something like any kid. the home like listener kid can would. look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> and that's another child reciting a, a thing wrote. It seems like, and uh, honestly, a lot of sort of what I'm looking forward to at this point in the life of our podcast are the ones that like when our listeners come at us on Twitter, like, when are you going to do Flash Beagle? When are you going to yeah. do like, and the, I, maybe, I don't know what we'll hear about Arbor Day, but it seems like every special is somebody's favorite for reasons they can't necessarily account for. Sure. And that's kind of my relationship to the Charlie Brown universe at this point. Like I'm attached to it and I will defend it, but I'm not really sure why anymore. I will defend the comic strip. And now I'm just fascinated to, I, I'm interested in, because like I have zero memory of Arbor Day and I watched a lot of television growing up. So I'm sure I saw this Multiple times, or however many times they reran it. But we are definitely now getting into an era where my memories of these are not clear to non-existent. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the the episode we just did, uh, the uh, uh, "You're a Good Sport, Charlie Brown." The only thing I remembered from that was that he wears a pumpkin on his head instead of a motorcycle helmet. 
Uh, it's the big motocross episode because it's the 70s and that's what we were doing apparently. Uh, so I'm excited to see how far afield from the world of the comic strip it gets and also hoping that some synapses get triggered ar- along the way. Like, oh, I, I remember this now. But Arbor Day... That was a, this episode in many ways was a big goose egg. Just washed right over. Just washed right yeah. over. Yeah. And we, we are recording this in the year 2018, the year of our Lord. And it feels like we are at, in the heyday of like garbage adaptations of, of print things and just kind of. Oh, sure. Rehashing, you know, beloved IP. And it's kind of comforting to know that we've been bad at it for like going on 50 years now, you know? That it's it's always been real hit and miss, and yeah. that a lot of them are just forgotten. Yeah, especially considering how closely involved Schultz was with every single one of these episodes. Yeah, like it's the same names, it's the same guys doing it over and over again. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see as we press forward. Jen Ellis yeah. Baker, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Please take a moment to plug. I, we mentioned them briefly at the beginning of the episode, but please give us the where's and hows of how to find your magical games. Absolutely, and the go money to one. We can spend on go them. to a single. Player. Place. Go to togetherstudios.com. That's T W O Together Studios. Um, and there you will find uh, links to our games, Action Cats, mm-hmm. uh, Illimat, and Phoenix Dawn Command, as well as if you're a retailer, how you can get in touch with us to sell our games. Um, and um, I don't think I have anything else to plug. Will we be seeing uh, this summer? Will we be seeing a uh, revival of the live version of Action Cats, adapted I, and hosted by one Ms. Molly Lewis? I hope so. One it is hope. incredibly yeah. entertaining, uh, and it's really the best uh, cats on stage I've ever I've you, ever seen. You did all of the hard work for me. I just have to stand there and <laughs> talk <to> the game. <laughs> So thanks for that. Hey, no problem. Uh, if you're wondering what Action Cats is, Action Cats is a storytelling game where you tell about the secret life of cats. It's a little bit like Cards Against Humanity, but with cats, and you can bring it to your family's get-togethers mm-hmm. and such. If you like Cards Against Humanity and pictures of cats, yeah. this is the, the intersection of that Vendargo. Finally. Whew. I'm Josh Kagan. I'm Molly Lewis. This has been Peanuts Gallery. Considering I don't do anything, I lead a very active life. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, tweeting about us at Peanuts Podcast, or telling a friend. Thanks to Lard D'Souza for the graphics, Ken Plume for the blandishment, Waffle Media for the nickels, and Sparky, Bill, and Lee for everything else. If you'd like to buy an official Peanuts Gallery meat lump plush, you can't because they don't exist. But you can turn a dirty sock inside out and put googly eyes on it, and you're basically there. <laughs>